Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. And we are back with another episode of the ED Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, host, and I'm really excited to be joined by Dr. Susie Gronsky. Dr. Susie, as she is referred to, is specializes in men's pelvic and sexual health. She is a licensed doctor of physical therapy, a certified pelvic rehabilitation practitioner. She is an ASEC certified sexuality educator, a sexuality counselor, and an international teacher and author of Pelvic Pain. And she is an author of a book titled Pelvic Pain, The Ultimate Cock Block. Dr. Susie is the founder of an interdisciplinary pelvic and sexual health clinic exclusively for men. Today, we want to learn about the impact of different sex positions on erections and see what we can glean from Dr. Susie's knowledge and experience. Dr. Susie, thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for having me, Mark. Of course. Now, one of the confusing aspects that I find about like understanding, uh, diagnosing, and treating erectile dysfunction is that erections are often inconsistent. So one of the things that I emphasize to the men that I work with is the importance of being able to identify the patterns of when things are working and not working. I encourage men to do tracking, to really kind of take note of what happened in each experience, but what the context Mm -hmm. was to that. Mm -hmm. So I have seen numerous men who seem to have patterns that are connected to the sex positions that they engage in or utilize primarily Mm -hmm. with a partner. But I've also seen in some cases that sex positions with masturbation seems to have an impact as well. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Susie, to get us started, can you just give our listeners an overview of what some of the most common sex positions are either for both heterosexual couples and for men who are having sex with men? Yeah, so the most common position really comes from the individual as far as their experiences with their sexuality and their partners. There isn't one, I would say, stereotypical uh, common sex position, but in my practice, the positions that are often shared with me as far as in context of their concerns might be the missionary position or the straddle position where their partner is on top, uh, doggy style, uh, side-lying or spooning kind of on the side um, or standing and, and or sitting. And that could vary with partner on top or uh, on bottom. Okay. So just to clarify, so, so for our listeners, missionary meaning the male partner is on top? Correct. Or their partner or their partner might be on top straddling. But that's, a, that's a different position. I mean, missionary and straddle, rear entry position like doggy style. Um, sidelining or spooning position, and then there's standing and sitting and all kinds of variations. We think these are like, again, the big categories Mm -hmm. of positions that people find themselves in. Now, Dr. Susie, can you help us walk through with each of these positions, kind of go through them one by one, what the physical implications are for the the male partner or rather to say for the pet for the person who's in the penetrating position what are like some of the physical implications meaning like what parts of the body are being strained what parts of the body are being relaxed with each of these positions yeah so in relation to penetration the partner who is who is performing penetration those position might might be well it depends so let's start with 
the straddle position with a partner on top because that's still penetration just from the bottom <laughs> from the mm -hmm. from the other side up in that situation when we're talking about what's being strained or used as far as the body i'll use my model here to just give the audience a bit of background as far as the pelvic floor and the perineum and what it all entails here so here we have a pelvis uh, pelvic model male pelvic model where you have the pelvis here the bony part of the pelvis the sits bones where the bony parts of the butt that you sit on and everything in the middle is is the perineum which includes the genitals and you'll see here that there are set of muscles here that wrap around the base of the penis you also have nerves and this area is very vascular the other uh, parts that i like to bring to your attention are also the the spinal um the spinal section so the sacrum the lower back will sit here as well and then the hips so not shown here but you do have the hip socket um, the the long bones of the thighs are going to um, connect here as well. So when we're talking about position, we, we kind of have to bring to mind all of the biomechanics that are going on at the same time. So not only what's happening with the genitals, but what's happening with the pelvis itself, uh, as far as positioning and movement and the required load and demand that's being placed on these tissues. So in the position where the partner who has the penis is on bottom, you can see that relatively the back and the pelvis are supported by the surface underneath them. Now, that doesn't mean that their partner, the person who is participating in penetration, is also not thrusting their hips up and down. So that would be uh, more of like a bridge. If I, if I were to describe it, it would be like lifting your butt up towards the ceiling, and that would be more of like a bridge position. So in that situation, you have all of the glutes, all the hip extensors, the lower back, including the pelvic floor muscles engaged during that movement. So having spinal mobility and fluidity and also the ability to adapt in that position is going to play a role as far as muscular endurance. The other things to consider here as well is the pelvic floor muscles themselves, they help to maintain blood flow in the penis. They're not the only things that do that, but they certainly help with erectile angle and also trying to help with the compression that is necessary to prevent venous backflow or venous leakage. Okay, so in the situation where the partner uh, who has the penis is on bottom, you can imagine that the, the dependent position is for blood to go into this direction, right? So as far as trying to maintain an erection in this position, for some individuals, it may be more challenging, especially if they have pelvic floor weakness, if there's an endurance issue, if they're having mobility issues within their hips or pelvis or spine, if they're having pain, all of those factors are going to contribute to how efficient and how adaptable their body is in that position. Not to mention the psychological factors that go into context of having your partner on top. And as far as visual cues being one of the uh, main, really main drivers of mm -hmm. genital and psychological arousal, that also should be considered as a factor of like how arousing is this position for yes. me and how comfortable is this position for me? <laughs> so yeah, so actually I'm going to want to come to, to talk about the psychological implications awesome. um, a little bit later in the episode, but I want to stick just kind of with the physical side for the moment. So sure. what, when, 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 you know, the, the 
you know, male partners on the bottom mm -hmm. and like in that, in the, in the, in the, the partner is straddling. Okay. Mm -hmm. What is the challenge with the blood flow exactly? Is it you're fighting gravity? Um, yes. Or is it, yeah. Yes, exactly that. Correct. So in this position, so we're imagining that the penis is erect. Um, you, you have muscles that are working against gravity, but also just naturally the venous outflow or backflow is going to be in the downward direction. Right. So that could be an implication, especially if we have tissue uh, weakness or deconditioning of the pelvic floor musculature. Um, that is not there is some sort of difficulty as far as structurally being able to maintain uh, being, being able to maintain the blood flow into the penis to prevent venous backflow. OK, that, that, that makes sense. Now, if we compare that to missionary position mm -hmm. where the the penetrating partner would be on top and just just working with gravity, right? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> working with gravity right. would seem gravity would be much more in in support of Correct. the erection. Correct. Okay. Can you speak out a little bit about some of the <laughs> benefits or challenges of this position? Yes. Yeah, so in the missionary position, um, being in on the top uh, as far as the the person who's penetrating, the you can see here just with the pelvis as I realigned the pelvis in this position to kind of mimic what that would look like from the top down. You, as you mentioned the vasculature is now flowing down directly into the penis so that helps support that v that that arterial blood flow into the penis versus if we were to go back to compare that onto the back and the penis is trying to maintain erection that's really going upstream right all that blood flow is trying to go upstream against gravity versus with gravity in that top-down perspective if that makes sense yes. um yeah. Here also what's interesting because the person who is on top has a lot more freedom to move their body. So that's mm -hmm. another thing to consider is that you're engaging a lot more of your musculature, which will help to increase circulation to tissues in general, right? Just like as you're working out, if you're using bigger muscle groups, you're getting blood flow to all of these muscles, including the pelvic floor. So you have more power to the punch, so to speak. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're definitely going to talk a little bit more about just the being a more, more of an active role or a passive role, because I think that also is going to have some psychological mm -hmm. implications as sure. well. Yeah. Um, now, just between these two positions, you know, one of the things that I've heard reported is that in a missionary position, a lot of guys, you know, feel more of a just a general strain because they have to support their body, you know, depending on exactly how they're set up in that missionary position, whether it's, you know, engaging, you know, quads or the core or forearms um, and whatnot. Whereas with a straddling partner, a lot of times they can generally relax a lot more of the body. And that seems to be a difference maker, at least, you know, in what men are reporting. So can you speak a little bit just to the, I guess, the, the peripheral strain or relaxation element? Right. So that's such a great point you're bringing up as far as overall general fitness and ability to withstand an activity as far as endurance and stamina goes. So and that not only is really is, is relatable to the penis itself. And again, you do have muscles in that area that are also putting in a lot of effort to sustain sexual function and to um, assist with orgasm and ejaculation. But we have to consider all the neighboring parts as well that can just contribute to overall muscular fatigue. So general fitness, as far as quadriceps, hamstrings, glutes, abdominals, arms, just depending on the position, it really depends on the level of fitness for that person's body to be able to, to have capacity 
to endure a particular um, activity uh, for a prolonged period of time. So yes, I would say fatigability is a thing. And if what a person's body is not used to exerting that much physical effort in a particular way, there is a potential for that person to just fatigue overall, which will also contribute to erectile difficulty because you're just fatigued or that position is straining in some way, which will then take you away from that experience of pleasure and being able to be relaxed, which we know is really important in order to even get and maintain an erection. Now, is there any reality to that strain, let's say, you know, compression of muscles or just strain of muscles, could that physiologically impact blood flow? Could there be any compression on uh, the arteries or the veins as a result of being too flexed, too toned, or not toned enough in those areas? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and there's no evidence to support that there's any difficulty with, not difficulty, but there isn't any evidence to support that having a particular strain on one muscle in one particular way is going to influence blood flow to this, to this area. Uh, that, that would be a really interesting study, to be honest, <laughs> to do. But because you're using your whole body to have sex, I would say it, was really, it would be really difficult and challenging to say that one particular area of strain is going to be deleterious for another area of the body. I would say what I see mostly in my office is when there is an immobility or a lack of flexibility and movement to be able to adapt to that particular demand placed on the body in that functional way. So if, yeah. if that person's really struggling because they have lower back pain, but they're guarding and they're holding themselves really tensely because they don't want to have pain. So now you're using too much effort, right? And not allowing your body to be fluid and relaxed. And that could definitely impact someone's erectile or sexual function for sure. But yeah, I can't say either way if there's like a one particular, particular muscle group or whatnot yeah. that's known to have an impact on blood flow. Okay. Now, can we um, just jump over to like a rear entry position, um, like doggy style. I know that's definitely a popular way that people yeah. engage. Mm -hmm. um, so can you speak just a little bit to uh, some of the physical implications of that position? Yeah, so similar. So you're probably in a tall kneeling position or maybe a half kneeling position, meaning one knee is up and the other leg is maybe down in, in that rear entry position. You, some partners might be on their both of their knees down and that position uh, being like similar to the missionary position almost, but just not in that angle of flexion so much and also relaxes their upper body. And you're using more of your lower body for thrusting in that position. Uh, in addition to, uh, that what I've heard and anecdotally as far as that position, A, it's very um, visually stimulating for the for the partner who is penetrating, uh, depending on what they obviously find yummy. Yeah. But uh, there, it also is, it does not require a lot of muscular effort, so to speak, because you're, you're leveraging bigger muscle groups that can help with extension. So hip extension with the thrusting and pelvic mobility. So that might be a position that certainly helps to reduce fatigability. But again, it depends on that person's abilities or limitations in any one position. So it really depends on what they're what they're comfortable with and where their body feels greater at ease. Yeah, that makes sense. And then lastly, for the uh, spooning or side-by-side -side 
position. Yeah. Um, to, to speak to, if you can speak a little bit to that, that would help as well. Yeah. So spooning side by side. So you can also have rear entry or front entry uh, with side by side. Also, that is a relaxing position because you're supported by the weight of the bed and you're just using more thrusting movements from the pelvis and also your back and your legs, but not in that in a very physically demanding way, perhaps. It is definitely more of a relaxed intensity uh, with that particular supported position for thrusting and penetration for both partners. The difficulty sometimes that I've heard is being able to maintain a, a level of, of penetration upon entry, uh, especially with back and forth thrusting. And some couples will complain that it's it, there's like a mis-entry often, or it's really difficult to angle the penis in a particular way for entry. So I would say in that, if for, from that point of view, it might be a little bit challenging, but using pillows, props, sex furniture, that can help just support bodies and people so that they're that they can engage in sexual activity in the most easiest way on their body. Because yes. <laughs> again, uh, it, if you're not comfortable, it's it really makes anything feel great, right? If you're feeling like you're straining a lot to to do an activity. Yeah. So the the, the anatomical structuring of two hum, human beings coming together oftentimes makes that position in particular challenging. Okay. With the right apparatus, this can be accomplished, but it could be a very right. relaxing like position to be in because, again, generally speaking, the body is supported. person right. doesn't have to support their own body. Correct. Exactly. And you have full body contact as well. So that might be really yummy for, for some folks and allow for other parts to be touched or engaged with easily than than other positions. Okay, so Dr. Susie, if we want to explore just the difference between, let's say, three primary, not really positions, but three primary expressions of these positions, standing, sitting, and lying down, can you help us kind of walk through, let's say, a side-by-side -side comparison of, let's say, the difference between a straddle position if, you know, the penetrating partner at the bottom is either in a lying down position or a sitting position. Does that change very much when it comes to just the you know physical aspects here, the anatomy of how this is working, or is it pretty much the same? Well, we'd say if I'm looking at the side by side, we have someone who's penetrating, straddling on top, sitting versus lying down, right? So straddling mm -hmm. from a position of top down or sitting, that can require a lot more effort depending on their position and how penetration is happening. You're going to use a lot more of your lower body energy to maintain standing than you are when you're in a semi-recumbent uh, or an inclined position. So it requires a lot more energy for thrusting. You know, we have to think about the body. You're, you have a lot more weight on your legs that you have to carry and move up and down. So you're essentially mm -hmm. doing a lot of squats if you're in a sitting position, which may again, increase fatigability of quadriceps, hamstrings, and just as far as being able to sustain that activity with penetration comfortably, it may not be a, a prolonged effort there. Okay, so as far as sustaining that. Now, if we were to compare that to straddling in uh, lying down with, with the partner penetrating on top, it's more at an angle and there's also support from the surface underneath you you have greater base of support and you're not using that much you're not literally squatting on top now the partner if the penetrating partner is on bottom and their uh, partner is on top, that person might have more flexibility as far as angling their body a little bit more to be more on an incline or decline I should say or vertical. 
but that would also require a lot of effort if you're vertical and trying to participate in penetration up and down. Also need to consider the angle of that person's penis because you don't you don't necessarily want to come hard and fast at an angle that might potentially be detrimental to soft tissue structures. Yeah, and we, we've you know, definitely covered the penile fracture um, on previous <laughs> episodes. And uh, if any if any listener has not listened to that, it's worthwhile because I think that's a good it's a good little caveat here when experimenting with physicians is that while it is it's rare, relatively speaking, it's important for people to be aware of that as like you start to really like let's say toy and adjust these angles you could be at higher risk for something like a penile fracture now dr susie i know one of the areas that that uh, you specialize in is uh, sexual pain and i was wondering is there any correlation between a specifically for for a male uh, partner who's engaged is there any correlation between the sex positions and pain that you have seen correlations honestly it's not so much the position more than the actual what's happening with the penis itself. So if we're talking about sexual pain, it's how much friction and how much pressure applied on the penis itself. The sexual pain, maybe I should go back. Sexual pain often is correlated with penile pain anywhere along the shaft or the glands of the penis. It could also be related to the scrotum or the area in between the scrotum and the anus. So that taint area. So in that, in those areas, if we're talking about that area, generally it has to do with how much pressure is happening, how much friction is applied to that body part, and also the function. So can that that tissue, if there's pain, can that tissue adapt to the pressure and friction demands being placed on it? And also ejaculatory pain. So what happens with ejaculation or during ejaculation is that these muscles have to rhythmically squeeze and squeeze and let go, squeeze and let go, contract and relax several times involuntarily for ejaculation to occur emission. So in that situation, that is a muscular effort and that could potentially, again, make uh, pain more sensitive with this particular activity. Now what's also interesting, or with sexual activity, what's also interesting is pain and pleasure in the brain share the same circuitry. So, you know, we, we know that when you're aroused, nerve endings become more sensitive. We also know that when you're in pain, nerve endings can become more sensitive. So that's why it becomes a bit tricky, I would say, and complex when we're talking about sexual pain. Certainly positions can play a role in that, and that has to do with friction, pressure demands, and load demands in general on that part of the body. So if we can get that person in a position to engage with their body sexually and or with their partner in ways that hurt less, by all means, we try to do that. And we may be using props, we may use different, certainly positions that may angle tissues uh, differently, especially with, with the penis. So if for example, let's say they have dorsal nerve to the penis um, irritation, uh, any any kind of traction or pull away from the pubic bone might actually make pain a bit more sensitive. So we mm-hmm. would like to make sure that the penis is angled as close as possible to their body to maybe help with accommodating for that tissue load during penetration. So, so I mean, it sounds like that, that again, the pain, sexual pain is in and of itself a very complex yes experience we have to know where the pain is coming from but it also sounds like it's less about a position per se and much more about 
how to work within that position to mitigate the pain. Correct. And also expectations. So let's say this person had uh, the, the onset of sexual pain was related to a particular sexual position. Maybe they were having sex and all of a sudden their tissues felt crabby and they had maybe an injury, a tissue injury. It can happen. That expectation or association with that particular position may be very strong because that is threat. There is an expectation and a prediction associated with learning when we're talking about pain in general. Uh, yes. pain, pain is a learning process. So if there is a position or a room even, even if it happened in a room with a partner, we would like to really de-threaten that and de-escalate to build that confidence and trust in their body that they're safe. So I might also offer a different position considering that, hey, this is the position that you got injured in and it may feel really vulnerable to do that, to have sex in that position again. Let's try something else. So changing body positions actually can be very, very helpful for de-threatening the uh, pain priming and expectation around when to experience pay pain within a context. Yeah, and that's, I mean, such an important point just about pain priming as a, as a it's a much more like much broader concept that mm -hmm. you know, the brain does learn and it does prepare and anticipates. And one of the one of the topics we talk about a lot on this podcast is anticipatory anxiety, which is like these like like these like triggers that the brain like recalls and remembers and already in anticipation of will set off an anxiety storm or will start prepping the body to feel pain and it ups the sensitivity to all of those things. So really really like important concept to bring out here and sometimes. Like, you know, much like with an anxiety cycle, also with a pain cycle, doing things to kind of break the routine that is uh, maintaining those triggers can have a, a very significant impact. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Dr. Susie, you mentioned before, and I want to come to, like a little bit more into like the psychological space. I see we're already starting to dip into there a little bit. But the uh, notion of the visual stimulation and the point of view that you know, a person has in the sex positions, can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, so all of our senses are engaging in an experience moment by moment, and that includes sex. So often, you know, folks will associate sex as being just the genitals, penis, vagina, Sorry to just keeping it cis hetero here, but it's a, uh, there's an, a notion around what that looks like. When I work with folks, it's like, how do we expand that sexual menu? Because arousal is going to matter as far as how sensitive your tissues are and how aroused from a phys physiological perspective, your brain is like the biggest sex organ. And so if we can get all your senses on board to help stimulate those arousal triggers during your sexual experience, then that will greater enhance genital arousal physically because those two are are connected. They're two sides of the same coin, right? So if someone, let's say, for example, has more difficulty maintaining an erection or a, a very rigid, as far as the, how rigid that erection is, in with them on their back, for example, which is a common position that I do here uh, when I work with men, is that when, when my partner's on top, I tend to, you know, lose lose my erection more and and when we dive into the complexities of that context and say you know okay well what's really going on on in that situation not only physically but what turns you on as far as your partner uh, do, what about lighting for example so visual cues are really important if you can't see your partner that might be very challenging especially if visual cues are your go-to for stimulation and arousal and what helps you connect sexually with yourself and your partner 
some people really might prefer a particular part of their、uh, partner's body that they really like find ravishing, right? So breasts, buttocks, being able to watch their partner's、uh, genitals or touching themselves, you know, that part is really important as well. So if if that person who's the penis owner and who's penetrating is able to connect all of those arousal triggers together, they they will find that the rigidity of their erection is a lot stronger just because all these top-down mechanisms and using all of the senses are kicking in to help support that physiological process. It's very well said. You know, I, I I find in in my office that the visual component is becoming increasingly relevant.、Um, that this is a really really important you know part of the sexual experience for really seems like for almost all people. And the positions do make a big difference, but the lighting goes into that.、Um, and there's a lot of other you know factors that can impact that. Now you know it's interesting. I I think I see a very similar phenomenon of men who are being straddled by a partner who are reporting loss of erection.、Yeah. Now visual cues is one of the things, but you know another you know aspect that I look at is the difference. And we touched on this slightly in the beginning is the difference between activation and being in a more active role and being in a more passive role. Can you speak just a little bit to that as well? Yes, yes. Thank you for bringing this up, Mark. Um, as I get really passionate about this topic because yes, it's not as simple as just biomechanics and physiology, right? You're right. There is something to be said about being an active participant and moving your body as well to help move blood flow into an organ, right? So if using this thrusting movement of your pelvis, lifting your hips up and down, being an active penetrator, so to speak, is going to make a big difference as far as being able to move blood flow into that organ, especially if gravity, right, is going to be working against you in this position. However, I will say though, and here's like the caveat to this, is that if we combine what we were mentioning, the visual cues, to、so、maybe having a mirror where you're able to, where you're semi-reclined, not completely flat on your back, but maybe you're propped up with some pillows and you are on the bottom, but you have your partner straddling you, and you're able to visually see, like have that visual feedback, that will help enhance your erection because you're, you're that's neural. Chemical process is just being facilitated even more. Nerves are getting more sensitive. Arteries are still being dilated. You have other neurochemicals that are just amplifying that whole situation, and your brain is a really, really powerful conduit for that. So enhancing it with that visual cue, if that's there, I would say just check your your erection is probably really, really, really hard, even in the in the in this dependent position. Yes, and, and I mean that's. You're also touching on like really, really important point where、uh, I use the word multifactorial a lot because I think. Like you know, sexual function, sexual processes are multifactorial, but the solutions are also multifactorial.、Um, so like sometimes it's just about like feeding yourself enough of what you need to really get that arousal up and running. So sometimes the position is less than ideal because you're a little bit passive, but like amping up the visual component could really kind of help you know move the needle significantly.、Right. So there's、That's、a lot、right. of different 
angles to come at this. That's right. That's right. Or vibration. Like maybe you use a you vibrating cock ring in that situation, right? And yeah. and yeah, like you said, multifactorial. So okay, if that's the position that we're having, there's a bit of loss of rigidity in your er- erection, which is again, it is common, it's natural, it's normal, it's not necessarily pathological. As you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, erections wax and wane, they do fluctuate throughout mm-hmm. the sexual experience, especially as you're changing positions too. I think I do want to mention that because I, it's important to mention that as you're navigating, exploring different positions, we kind of have to have a little mental flexibility and playfulness because you are going to feel like you're stumbling and exploring and it's not going to be this perfect transition that perhaps, you know, social media or movies want you to think. It, it's it's going to look a little goofy maybe. And, and you may try something you're like, oh, that's totally not for me. <laughs> or that's like, how do you even do that? Right? You're like straight. You're like, no, no, no. So have some great have some flexibility around that experience but also know that as you're changing positions because you're you're kind of like interrupting that sexual flow or that that dynamic it is common for erectile tissue to also wax and wane during that particular process yeah there's and there's you know so many other psychological components here that we're not going to touch on but the listeners think it's just important to be aware that like you know some of the differences that i've seen come up around like you know person who feels like they're in an active position versus a passive position also touches on control power dynamics in a relationship, like it can really get rather complex, um, just even stemming from these different positions. So it's important to be aware that while it may seem like, okay, one's missionary and one's a straddle position, like what really is the difference? There is a lot of psychology that does Mm -hmm. go into these different viewpoints. Now, to that end, I'm wondering if you can speak towards a little bit about people's relationships and how that gets impacted or how that may impact rather the preferred position choice. And in particular, what I mean is that you know, some of these positions like rear entry basically precludes eye contact and face-to-face contact, whereas you know positions like missionary or straddle position oftentimes will not necessarily force, but will facilitate much more like face-to-face or eye contact. People's relationships like really can play a role in how those you know, choices and preferences are made. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yes. So relational dynamics outside of sexual experiences, sexual encounters within that relationship do matter. So how that relationship is panning out outside of the bedroom is going to ultimately shape what's happening inside that experience. So if there's a difficulty of one partner perhaps connecting with eye gazing or looking at your at your partner, especially during more vulnerable maybe potentially vulnerable or more raw experiences, then face-to-face contact might be very challenging for someone, especially if they're having difficulty engaging and maintaining that eye contact with you. So it might be easier for them not to have that because it's really a vulnerable space for them to lean into, especially during sex. Um, Other situations might be certainly if there is conflict within the relationship, conflict as far as, you probably could speak more to this, Mark, as far as physical contact, like trauma experiences, things like that, that might be very difficult to maintain contact, feel safe with your partner in general during mm-hmm. sex. Other things might be predominantly with a female partner uh, receiving penetration, you know, being in that uh, missionary position, but if they have sexual pain might be very challenging as well, because there's a lack of sense of control. So yeah. the person, the person who's penetrating is in control and, and they're not 
they're not able to control how how fast, how deep, you know, how quickly that that thrusting is going. So that piece in and of itself, as far as body positioning, is going to matter because that might be more of a threatening position. And yeah. the same could go for a male partner as well. Obviously, in positions that might be more vulnerable, or again, expectations matter in that situation. And you know, I hate to say it too, but like as partners evolve, as our bodies change, you know, we're always changing. Our bodies are changing. Our faces are changing. And it, it isn't uncommon for me to hear things like, you know, our, our bodies have changed so much or my partner has changed a lot as far as just their physical appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, that is also going to play a role in how, how connected or disconnected someone uh, wants to be in a sexual experience. And I'm sure you have probably more to say around that as far as... So there's, yeah, there's also another like really, really big topic, but it's also like, I want to emphasize it's complex in the following sense that um, sometimes when there's tension in a relationship, for some people, the preference is a rare entry position. So they can avoid some of that tension by not being face to face. But for other people, the tension may stem from needing feedback from their partner. So they do need the face to face contact because they are utilizing their partner's face like a thermometer. So it really is a person to person relationship to relationship. It needs to be viewed from like a very, very unique, like individualized perspective here, because I think our psychology is all very unique. We all respond very differently to tension and stress. Some people prefer the distance and other people are going to prefer like closer contact. A lot of that probably taps into like attachment styles and adult mm-hmm. attachment. And I do think that all these factors do play in to arousal and to the type of feedback that we're looking from a sexual experience. The other point that I would just want to emphasize is as people's bodies change, I think how they want to be seen and viewed and how they want to engage their partner viewing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to see you seeing me. <laughs> so like, there's a lot of complex yeah. layers that I think come out with that as well. But sometimes, you know, I find is that people make these choices so often in relationships by like they have these sexual scripts and then like magically they'll adjust them without ever speaking about it. And people oftentimes don't have that like understanding and awareness of what is driving their preference for a particular mm-hmm. position. But a lot of times when you peel away like a layer or two, there really is like an like an underlying story there, either physiological, but I think oftentimes it's a psychological push that really influences and informs those preferences. Exactly, exactly. It could even be smells, you know, like if you're closer mm-hmm. to your partner, you're going to be smelling different things as well, depending depending on where you're at or or like how close you are and where you are in proximity to their body, right? So smells, visual cues, um, how body parts are moving and what, and what angles they're moving in. Uh, Yeah. Those are all particular preferences. And I, and to your point, Mark, I think it does change on a experience to experience basis. I mean, it could be one little thing that your brain is interpreting in one way that completely, you know, turns things off a little bit, you know, it's just like this little, even subconscious i mean a lot of non-conscious processes are involved in these preferences as well and even how somebody's feeling about themselves yes. right is really yeah. going to influence like you know you, you had a couple good weeks at the gym right you're ready to be seen right, <laughs> right. you had a couple you had a couple weeks out of the gym and your preferences for like lights off or a position where you really can't be seen a lot of times like we don't have that conscious awareness but these things all do matter 
They all do make a difference. They do. And, you know, from a, from, from the point of view of pooping, peeing and sex, you know, that I work with, it's like, if you're feeling bloated one day or you're feeling extra gassy one day, you're like, and you're, you're engaging in sex, like that's going to actually shift how you want to move your body as far as being open or closed or not moving too much or, you know, as far as how aggressive or intense that session is, because in general, again, your everything is moving, including your guts. So, so if things, if you're just bloated or you're feeling like, again, gassy, there might be this like, you're like, I don't want to, you know, let's not do any anal play today. Or, you know, you're just going to like decline participating in, in particular sexual activities that you would otherwise would just because you're like, Ooh, things are just not quite the way they are. Or like you have maybe a painful hemorrhoid, you know, or, or an, or an irrit irritable hemorrhoid. Those things matter too. And then it doesn't mean that you, you don't participate in sexual activity, but you may not want somebody fingering your butthole, you know, like the, right. things like that, that might make a difference. So see, this, this has been fantastic. I mean, I, it, it's definitely impacting even the way I'm like, like starting to like think and rethink like just the role of the sexual positions, both from a physiological and also from a psychological mm -hmm. standpoint. This conversation is so important to our listeners who are always looking to like better understand themselves, better understand like what is impacting erections. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to have a link added both to your book and people want to work with you or somebody in your practice so they can make get in touch with. Is that okay? Yes. Thank you. Much appreciated. Okay. And thank you once again for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.